Well, my name's Andrew. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Spring Valley, and uh, I was also a little shocked to see snow this morning. I thought we had gotten all that this week, and so uh, I've been praying for no more snow after today, so you can pray with me for that. Um, one thing that usually doesn't go together is snow and the NCAA tournament of March Madness. Who's been watching March Madness? I just want to let you know, I'm not going to brag, but in my bracket yesterday, I was in the 99th percentile for all the people who filled it out on ESPN. And so if you're doing well too, it probably means you're lucky just like me, because I know nothing about college basketball, and so um, I have nothing to brag about. But I, I do love how close all the games are. If you've been watching it, you've seen a couple games come down to the last few seconds. Uh, I love documentaries, and I watched a documentary about the NCAA tournament a while ago called Survive in Advance. And so this was all about one team from North Carolina State. They're called the Wolfpack. And in 1983, they had an amazing thing happen to them. They won nine do-or-die games in the postseason, and seven of them they were losing in the last minute and ended up winning. In their very last game, you couldn't ask for a better game, they were losing, and with two seconds left, right, they scored the last basket that put them ahead, and they won, and everyone went nuts. It's just an amazing accomplishment. And, and here's why I tell you that, because I think the church is a lot like a team like the Wolfpack. Because here's the truth. They didn't have any LeBron Jameses or Michael Jordans. They actually beat Michael Jordan. Okay? He was one of the on one of the teams he beat. They didn't have any big-name people on their team but they work together as a team to win. And I think the church is supposed to be like that as well, that we have lots of people with skills and abilities, but, but not so that we say we're awesome, but that, so that everything can grow and get better. And so God wants us as a team. He has a couple goals for us. Last week, we realized that one of the goals he has for us as a church is to be united. So there's a guy named the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote lots of letters in the New Testament, that's where they're collected at. And he wrote to the church in Ephesus. And last week we learned that one of the goals is to be united. And so we need to be humble and gentle and patient. And God's still working all those things in my life, right? So we're, we're trying to be united. But a second goal that he has is that he wants us to grow. And here's the good news. And maybe you don't think it's good news, but I do. His growth plan, right, is you. Okay, his growth plan for the church to grow is you. And if you're taking notes this morning, here's what we're going to learn. That Christ, where God's son, has given you gifts to grow us. That Christ has given you gifts to grow all of us. Right? So, so living where we do and uh, living in the time that we do, it's really easy to look around and see other people, like athletes, speakers, whatever, and say, man, I wish I had those gifts. But I can't tell you the number of times... Growing up, maybe 23, 24, 25, I'd look at these professional athletes and say, man, they've accomplished so much at this point, and what have I done? Not much, right? But today, our goal is not to focus on what we don't have, but on what we do have and what God wants to do with that. And so we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 4 again this morning. If you have your Bible or app, would you open up to that? Would you open up to God's Word? Uh, we're going to start in verse 7. Uh, if you do have your Bible, it's a great place to underline. The app is a great place to highlight things. But if you don't have either of those, uh, you can look up on the screen and join us that way. And so the way that we're going to focus on the gifts this morning is to look at them from a couple of different angles. 
Okay, when I say gifts, here's what I mean. I mean the talents, abilities, capacity, and circumstance God has given you. Right, so that's what, that's what I say when I say a gift. And the three different angles we're going to look at are this. We're going to look at it from kind of a, a 30,000 foot angle, from kind of what Christ's, Christ's angle. We're going to look at it from a ground level angle, like you and I. And then we're going to look at it kind of a little bit higher of all of us. And so those are the three angles we're going to look at. And so before we get into our text this morning, I want to pray and ask God to help us. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you brought us here together today. And Lord, I know you want to work. And so I pray you do your work and, and do what I can't do. And that you would change us, God. And, and some of us have been wanting to change for a while. God, would you change us? Make us new, make us better, and do all of it by your spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's the first angle we're going to look at from Christ's perspective. And so here's what it is, that Christ gave gifts to all of his people. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you, you've said, I'm going to commit my life to follow Jesus, then you have a gift and probably multiple gifts. Okay, so no one in here can say, I don't have a gift. Now, I typically teach students on Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 8.30 in the morning. We talk about the Bible. We talk about learning about the Bible. And so some of them aren't awake yet. I want to let you know this next passage is going to be a little deep. So I want you to look at your neighbor. Make sure they're awake. If they're not, give them a little elbow. Say, wake up, because we're going to go deep. And I'm going to explain it, but, but it'll be quick. But you have to be awake. So we're going to jump right into this. We're going to see how Christ has given gifts to all of his people. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Then there's this parenthetical statement. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions, and he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe? Okay, now you're awake. Um, it starts out with saying each one of us, meaning followers of Jesus, have been given gifts by the grace of Jesus Christ, and he apportioned them. So I don't know the last time you apportioned something. Okay? I did it recently when I apportioned food out to my kids at dinner. Okay? You've probably apportioned more times than you think. And I didn't give more to one kid because I thought they were better or more talented or they're just awesome, so they get more, right? That's not why I apportioned them this amount of food. I gave them this amount of food because I thought this is what they needed, right? So I apportioned it out to them. And that's the same thing that Christ does when he's given gifts to us, that he's given them to us, not because of who we are or what we've done or because we deserve more than, than someone else. He's given it to us because that's what we needed and that's what he wanted to use us in. Right? So we can't have pride because we have different gifts than this person. So there's no room to say like, man, I'm so much better than this person. Compare yourself. Because the reason you have those gifts is not because you're great, but because Christ gave them to you. And so Paul wants to explain, hey guys, here's how I figured this out. And so the Apostle Paul, he had a Bible, but it wasn't the same Bible we have. Because the Apostle Paul, he had the Old Testament. Right? He had kind of those... Those first few books there, that's what he had. And so he goes back um, to kind of one of the worship songs of Israel. We call them the Psalms. And he went back to Psalm 68, 
verse 18. That's where we see in the verse that he talks about he ascended on high and he took captives and he gave gifts. And so actually when that was written in the Old Testament, um, it actually says at the end of it that and men gave him gifts, but Paul's working maybe off of a different tradition or just changed it around. And he said, he made it about Christ and he said, hey, Christ did this, he did this, and he gave gifts to people. Now, if you're around in the ancient world and you're familiar with kings, which not many of us are, what kings would do is go out, fight a battle, conquer a people, and then he would take the stuff from them and then he would come back and kind of give it to all of his people. Okay, kind of like say, hey guys, let's celebrate. Here's how we're going to celebrate. I'm going to give you all this stuff. And he's saying, hey listen, Christ is the one winning, but the question is, who did Christ conquer then? Right, like who did he conquer to get these gifts? I think this is where the, the good news of Jesus comes in because in the, in the line right above this where it says he took many captives, that's better translated that he took captivity captive. Right, that he took captivity. He took the thing that, that stops us from living life to the fullest captive. And because he did that, right, he, he died on the cross. He rose again. And now all the gifts that God's given you aren't held back by the power of darkness, by the power of sin anymore. And now you and I get to become the people that God created us to be. That's the good news of Jesus. It's not just, yes, you get to go to heaven if you put your faith in him, but now that we can do incredibly more than we thought because we have these gifts that are free. Right? And so now you can't say, I can't do anything. Sometimes, here's how, here's how I feel, maybe you feel this way. Man, you're not having a good week. You're not really doing what you think Christ wants you to do. And you're saying, how could he use me? And the truth is, he can use you because he's already paid the price for your sin. Right? And so his grace is for you and he wants to continually use you because here's the goal. Ready? We go to verse 10 and we look at it. And it says this, that Christ has ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Filling the whole universe is a way to see God wants to fill the whole world with his presence. And guess what? When we grow, that's the goal. The goal is that everything would be brought back into right relationship with God the Father. That's his heart for everyone and everything. And so he wants to use us to do that. And so he gives us gifts. And so my wife and I were expecting a baby. In six weeks, give or take. It feels like a couple of days it's coming, but in six weeks we're expecting a baby. We don't know what it is. We know it's a baby. So uh, if you want to know, we'll let you know on May 10th. Um, so, we, so we're expecting a baby, and I walk into my office one day, and I see this bag on my desk. Now I was like, this is very manly, so it must be for me. Um, no, but, but I see it, and I start to look in it, and it's this wonderful blanket. Okay, so beautiful. Not for sale. Stop. Don't ask. But some, some wonderful woman in our church, she made this. Okay, I confirmed that she spent her time sewing this or crocheting or whatever it's called. She did it. Right? Now, this is nice. Gender neutral in some ways, right? So that's good. But imagine if after we had the baby, I took this blanket and I stuck it back in the bag and I stuck it in the baby's room. Okay, and then one day we're in the nursery and the baby's cold. And this bag is here, right? But we just try to keep the baby warm, like hold the baby, maybe turn the heat up. But we have this blanket there. And, and throughout the baby's life, we just leave the blanket in the bag. That's called wasting the gift. 
Right? God's given you a gift, and he doesn't want you just to leave it in the corner in a bag. Right? He, wants to, he wants you to use it. And so that's the second angle we're going to look at from, from our perspective, right? That we're expected to use our gifts. So he didn't just give you a gift so you could feel good and say, hey, I'm talented in this. He actually wants you to do something with it. Right? So sometimes we think about Sundays and we think about the church and we think the church is just coming to church on Sunday. And man, God, I hope I get something out of the service. Maybe I get to talk to a few people. But that's not the church at all. The church, the people of God, are actually all of us together. And so God wants us to use our gifts for one another. And he kind of talks about how that happens a little bit. Uh, Chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, here's what he says. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So this very short passage is crucial for pastors and for all of us. So somewhere along the line, I'm thinking about 300s AD. I'm not a historian, but this is what what I think, okay? This is my theory. That somewhere along the line, the church got confused on how it's supposed to function. Because in about the 300s, Christianity stopped being persecuted as a religion and kind of became legalized. And so then it sort of became the religion of the Roman government And then the Roman government, who was an empire, was kind of like over everything at that point, started to put priests into place. And so people would come to the church, and they would see the priests, and the priests would do the ministers, and the people would kind of receive it. Okay, and so that was the model of church for a long time. But before that happened, this wasn't the idea at all, right? According to this passage, apostles and prophets, that we don't really have those anymore. People have those giftings, but we don't have those. But pastor slash teacher that's probably one gift the pastors are called to equip people to do the work of the ministry to build up the body so think about the word equip what word can you think of equipment right so think about this the idea of equipping is saying you have a task to do or you have something that you're supposed to do but you can't do it because you don't have all the right stuff yet or it's it's another idea of, of like getting surgery like Hey, you really need to go and and get something accomplished, but you're not fully ready yet. And so you need something to pop your shoulder back in a joint, or you need a surgery to be done. That's the idea of what pastors are supposed to do, right? They're supposed to help teach you and coach you and care for you and train you so that you can do all that you need to do for God's kingdom for all of us. So church can't be like a football game, okay? So think about a football game, and I've, I've heard this, this isn't mine originally, but it's 22,000 people who are desperately in need of exercise watching 22 people who are desperately in need of a rest. Right? So just think about that. 22,000 people who are desperately in need of exercise watching 22 people who desperately need a rest. See, that can't be the church. It can't be, hey, I come and I watch. It's actually supposed to be 22,022 people doing the ministry together, right? And so I have a title because of my job, partially because of the gifts God gave me as pastor, but you have a title of minister, right? So right now, I'm not just talking to people who are part of a congregation. I'm talking to hundreds of ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
Here's what, here's what this passage says. It says that you were given gifts to build up the body of Christ. And so, so what does it mean to have a gift? Or what is your gift? Here's what I think it goes. Ready? It's, keep this in mind. Ready? It's what you're passionate about, what you're good at, and what other people have affirmed in you. So when those three things meet, so what you're passionate about, what you're good at, and what other people have affirmed in your life, that's probably your gift, and that's where God wants to use you. Now, you probably have many areas of that, and maybe you're like, well, I'm not as good as that person at it, but, but I didn't say what you're better than everyone else at. I just said what God's given you talents and abilities at, right, what you're passionate about, and what people have said you're good at that. So if you look in the New Testament, there's over 20 gifts from mercy to hospitality to healing to words of wisdom, words of knowledge, but there's lots more than that. And so it's not okay to say you don't have a gift, it is okay to say, hey, you know what? I'm not exactly sure what my gift is. And, and listen, we can help you with that. We have fo a focus class coming up in June. Some of you have gone through that to learn what your gift is. Amen. But when you use your gift, you're building up the body of Christ. Right? So if you work with our kids, I'm blessed because you're working with my kids. right? And you're not only ministering to, to babies and toddlers and pre-K and the next gen, but you're also ministering to parents. Because I know, and you can know, that your kids are back there being watched and being taught about the Word of God to help you as you teach them later. Right? If you do setup or teardown or projection or lights or sound, you're helping everyone in here experience God in a new way. If you're on our hospitality team in the parking lot and back at the cafe, receiving the offering as an usher, just being a host, man, you're helping people have a good experience so they can have a God experience. Right, if you're counting offering, doing something administrative, you're helping us use our resources that God gave us. If you're a connection group leader, you're helping people take their next steps towards Jesus. I love connection groups, right, because they're places where we actually get to use our gifts even more. Because right now, we're sitting shoulder to shoulder, right? And that's good. But in a connection group, when you're face to face, you get to speak into people's lives and use skills and abilities that God's given you. Because we're all supposed to use our gifts, Right? And when we don't, it's like this bag. They just sit there, not really helping anybody. I want to challenge you today that if you're not using your gifts, that you can start. That on the back of your orange card, you can mark serving at SVCC. Right? And we'll, we'll show you those areas and we'll let you know when the, our classes are coming up. Now, I want you to kind of see yourself the, the way that, that Christ sees us and and so think about this. If we as a church, now we as a church give the missions, we just heard about it, the mission spotlight, it's awesome. But imagine if we as a church, we gave money for a missionary to go out and share the good news of Jesus with lots of people. And, and imagine that you're one of the people that you said, I'm going to give, I'm going to give sacrificially over and above to help this missionary go and do this. And then... Later we find out, let's say a year later, that that missionary and his family, the only thing they did is they set up shop and they're selling trinkets to tourists. So just imagine how, like start to think about that. Like I gave and that's all they're doing with it. Right, you kind of like, why would they do that? They're, they're missing it. And here's what I think, ready? God gave you gifts and talents and abilities and resources and he sent you out into the world. And his, his question is, what are you doing with it? Right? How are you helping people grow? I, I love that 
Pastor Joe isn't here, and I don't love that he's he, not here, right? I love the reason why he's not here this morning. He's preaching in Buffalo, New York at his parents' church. And do you know why? Because it's a service to honor his parents who have served for 35 years in that same church as elders and leaders. 35 years in the same place, being faithful to the same people. And do you know what? I think they've probably touched hundreds, if not thousands of people over their 35 years because they use the gifts and talents God's given them. That's an awesome reason for Joe to be there to preach this morning, to honor that. And listen, I think God honors us when we serve. And, and so as we serve, we're part of God's growth plan and we're going to kind of come back to our main idea that God's given you gifts to grow us. And here's the last angle or perspective we're going to look at today, right? Is that is from the kind of the us perspective, the team perspective. And here's what we need to know that we grow, all of us grow when you use your gift, right? The goal of the church, not just the people who are today, but, but the goal of all believers in Christ is to accomplish God's mission. But you can't do that without growing, and becoming mature, right? It's not just good enough to say like, all right, I'm good here. Nope, you got to grow and, and keep going like that basketball team, right? It's good that they had unity, but if they just stayed at the same level, they never would have won. But they grow and they mature. And so that's what Paul's going to talk about next. He, he said that we're equipped to do the works of service to build up the body of Christ. And picking it up in 13, here's what he said. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, maybe you've heard this before, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does it work. So he says a whole lot here, but here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to paint a picture for all of us of someone who's little, right? A young child growing up to be mature. Talking about that's our process as followers of Jesus Right? Your maturity in Christ is not really about your age necessarily, but about how you're growing. And so if we go to verse 14, we'll skip over 13 for this second. Uh, he kind of talks about an infant, right? An infant and how they're kind of pushed back and forth by the waves, like a boat without a rudder. Okay? They, they just keep getting pushed back and forth by all kinds of different teaching and showing. And so when I was four years old, okay, when I was four years old, my mother told me something that pushed me back and forth. Okay, she told me that if I got baby powder on the top of my feet, that it would burn my feet. Okay, and so I believed her because she's my mom. Right, and so every time I get out of the bathroom, be baby powder, I would be like, oh, don't get that on my feet. Please don't. And I, and I, I don't want to say like I cried one time, but it was close. Okay, I was just so nervous. Now, are you judging me because I was afraid of baby powder? I mean, maybe, but I was four, right? I was a child. Are you judging my mom? Maybe, I don't know, right? Because when you're young, sorry, mom, when you're young, uh, it's easy to get tossed back and forth. And so we need to continually grow up and become more and more like Christ in knowledge. And so, so how do we do that? Right? Well, first he says in verse 13, we're going to go back to that. He says, 
You're having faith or having unity and faith in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So this is not just about knowing about your faith. It's partly in there, right? Knowing what you believe so someone doesn't come and teach you something that's way off. And you're like, yeah, I'll believe that. I'll believe that. I'll believe that. It's kind of knowing what you believe. And then not just knowing what you believe, but knowing the one you believe in. Right, so there's a big difference, and I, I constantly remind myself of this because I need to, between knowing about God and knowing God. Right, it's easy to know about God and to have some knowledge, but knowing Him, spending time with Him, right, knowing His character only comes by being with Him. And guess what? To be encouraged, to be growing in this, I need you, right, and, and we need each other to encourage us and help us. Right? Even this week, um, God just kind of revealed something to me in my heart, and it was really born out of pride, but it was just a, this bad attitude. And, and I went to one of my friends who's a follower of Jesus, and I said, hey, listen, this is what I've been thinking, and I'm having a hard time stop thinking this. Can you help me? Pray with me. And do you know what? That person shared the gospel and the truth of the gospel, helped me see what lies I was believing so I could start thinking rightly. See, that doesn't happen without other people in your life. Christ wants us to become mature, fully attaining to the full measure of Christ. Like Christ is the goal. Being like him is the goal. It's not just being good people or nice people. Being like Christ, the way he loved and served everyone is our goal. And guess what? A lot of times we miss it. Right? We're always trying to grow, but sometimes there's things in our life that we don't see. And so that's why we need people like in verse 15 where it says we do this by speaking the truth in love to one another. This idea of speaking the truth in love, the word speaking actually isn't anywhere in the text. It's something like truthing in love, right? It's, it's kind of like doing truth but speaking truth in love. Because here's the problem. If you're just about love, then you don't want to tell people truth. Because you're like, maybe they won't love me as much, or, or maybe that won't be there, right? Because truth starts to get soft when love is the main goal. But if you just speak truth to people, it becomes condemning. You're like, hey, you know what? You need to know this. And listen, I'm just trying to build you up, okay? But I saw this, and this is an issue. And so no one actually wants someone who's just going to constantly speak truth into their life without love. So I had a phone conversation yesterday. Someone called me, and they needed to, to speak some truth. And so it wasn't specifically about me, but it was kind of about some situations I was involved in. And do you know what? They kind of prefaced the conversation by saying, hey, I don't want you to take it like this. And I want this to be a place where we can grow and, and change and move. And then they kind of share with me. And at the end of that conversation, I was so grateful. I was so grateful that they did that because if they would have just come and said, hey, Andrew, you need to fix this. I'd be like, whoa. Calm down there. But do you know what? What did they do to me? They spoke the truth in love. See, you need people to do that, and I need people to do that because we have blind spots, because we miss it. And so do you have people in your life who are going to speak the truth in love? Because that's how we grow up and to attain the full measure of Christ. That's how we get better. Proverbs 27.6 says this, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Right? An enemy doesn't want you to grow, but a friend does. See, if I, I relate this back to, back to my kids just because we're going to have one so soon. Um, 
when my daughter Sophia was born. Okay, I didn't know anything about kids. I don't know that much, but I, I didn't know anything then. And so about a week after she was born, we went to the doctors, and I was expecting the doctor to say, like, everything looks great. And then the doctor said these three words, which turned my world upside down. He said, failure to thrive. And I was like, what? Like, are you telling my kid's in danger of, of dying? And he's like, failure to thrive, what does that mean? It means that the baby isn't gaining enough weight. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I feel a little bit better. So what did we do? We, we took the appropriate measures to help them, to help it grow, right? To help her grow and, and become better. And, and so as you have kids, or when you have kids, you'll say, hey, is my kid doing well? Is my kid reaching the appropriate benchmarks it needs to move? Right? But with us, sometimes we're stuck in a failure to thrive in some areas of our lives. And do you know what? We don't think it's a big deal. We're just like, yeah, maybe that's there. And we're fine with failure to thrive. Like, we're fine with stunted growth. But if it was our kids, we'd be like, we, we got to fix this. we got to do something. So do you know what? God's given you gifts to help other people grow in those areas. And God's given other people gifts to help you grow in those areas. And my question for us today is, are you satisfied with being where you are? Or are you willing to grow? Because if you are, that means that you have to admit you can't do it on your own. Or you have to see other people and see that God gave them gifts, gifts to help you grow. See, because ultimately, we're not just individuals. We're part of a body. In verse 16, he talks about our growth as, as becoming a fully mature body. And he talks about ligaments and joints and how they're connected. But he says one crucial thing. He says that all the source comes from the head who is Christ. So this is what we have to keep in mind this morning. Christ gave you the gifts. You can't take credit. Christ empowers you to use the gifts you can't do without him. And Christ is the one who helps you grow. I'm going to invite our worship team up this morning as we close out our service. Because what we need to see is that when we do grow, when we become mature, right, we're able to accomplish the mission. But guess what? We don't accomplish it without growth. We don't accomplish it without becoming more like Christ and knowing him better. And I need you. Right? And you need me. Not Andrew the pastor. You need Andrew the follower of Jesus who God's given special gifts to to grow. And I need you who God's given special gifts to you to help me grow. Because this morning it's not about I come to church. It's you are the church. You are the church. And as, as a part of the church, God has given you gifts and talents and abilities. You know, we can't say, hey, I'm just going to let that sit there and kind of collect dust because someone else is missing out. Someone else needs you and you need someone else today. And so God has gifted you to grow us this morning. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song of, about Christ and being like Him. And it's an opportunity for us to worship God and ask Him to speak to us. But this morning, I want to ask you two, two questions. And here's the first question. Where does God want you to use your gifts? 
Where can you start using them? A lot of you are using them. And do you know what? Our church is at the place where it's at because you've been serving. But man, we need everybody to use their gifts because it's not just, hey, our church growth is on the line, but heaven and hell is on the line for people who don't know Jesus. And so we need to be growing and mature and setting the example for people, and we need you to do that. See, not only do we want you to use the gifts inside the church, right, but also outside of the church because God's given you personalities and he's put you in neighborhoods and he's put you in situations and he's put you in relationship with people who don't know him yet. And maybe you're going to be the gift to them that changes their life. There is not a better Sunday to invite someone to Spring Valley than Easter. So maybe God's putting someone in your heart that you're going to invite. And you know what? Your job is to invite them. And do you know whose job it is to get them to come? The Holy Spirit. Because right? it's not just you. It's you being empowered by Him. And so this week, make sure you take this postcard with you. Use the gifts that God's given you and just invite them. Even if you're scared, do that. Second question is, right, where do you need to grow? Right? Where do you need to mature? Where, where's, where's Christ pointed out something in your life that you're saying, man, that's been laying dormant. That's been failing to thrive for a while. Pray and ask God to help you. Pray and ask him to show you the people. Maybe it's someone in your connection group that you need to confess it to. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe you just come up and say, hey, I really have struggled in this area and I need someone to pray with me. You can do that at the end of the service this morning. And so I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we respond. You can worship Christ through singing or you can spend time just reflecting on what he might be speaking to you.